You can have a seat. All right, are there any kids out there? There's an old one. Come on. Are there any kids out there? Any kids? Hear my voice? All right. Did any of you go to a summer camp this, this summer? Anyone go to a summer camp or a VBS? Okay, my wife's shaking her head. You totally missed with that. All right. Well, let me tell you guys a story about when I went to summer camp when I was a kid. When I was in elementary school, I went to a camp called uh, Camp White, and it was a Christian camp, and I went with a number of, of kids that were part of a church that was in my town, but not my church. And it was a camp on a lake, you know, all the typical activities of like, you know, shooting arrows at targets and running through fields and, you know, playing capture the flag and swimming on the waterfront. But I will never forget that week at camp for one reason. And that is because during that week, I was mercilessly picked on by two kids. And they were, they were in like the, the tent uh, next door to mine. And for whatever reason, maybe it was because I wasn't, you know, I was a new kid at this, at, in this group. I wasn't really an insider. They just picked on me over and over again, just making fun of me in all kinds of different ways. And uh, it, was, it was a really difficult week to, to be there. And luckily, I had one, one friend, the kid that I went with, that kind of was helping me deal with it. Uh, but it was, just, it was just a terrible week. <clears throat> At one point, I snapped and kind of got into a scuffle with one of the kids. But even that, my attempt to kind of like fight back and stick up for myself, it didn't work. The, 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 the insults and the, and, the, and the bullying just continued. <clears throat> now, this story, I tell this story, one, because it's my own, and two, because it's a, little, it's a little bit tame for the general audience that we have in the room today. But obviously, you could take that story and multiply it times a billion in this world, and in terms of the, 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 the breadth, and times, you know, thousands in terms of the depth. And when I say that, what I mean is just the amount of suffering and violence and oppression that happens all the time in this world that we live in. Obviously, you've probably heard the news about the, the Brett Kavanaugh being uh, potentially appointed to the Supreme Court and all the controversy uh, surrounding that appointment. And as I've been listening to the news, there's been other stories that have come out of, of different oppression and um, I'll call it assault. <clears throat> and uh, it's just heartbreaking to hear those stories that I, I can't tell in the room today. The question that I want to pose today is this. What is our response as the people of God to poverty and oppression in this world? How do followers of Jesus live in a world that is full of wickedness and darkness and abuse? So today we're finishing our fall kickoff series called Love God, Share Life, Proclaim Jesus. And today we're talking about this last value in that statement, which is proclaiming Jesus. And last week we looked at about proclaiming Jesus means talking about the gospel, speaking in the gospel that Jesus is Lord. And today we're looking at the other aspect of that, and here is what we are going to find. Followers of Jesus fight for justice. Christians defend the defenseless. The church is called to stand up for the weak. 
It's the job of the people of God to speak up for those who have no voice. It's followers of Jesus, they fight for justice. We're going to hear that a number of places, and so I'm going to ask, we've got a couple people reading today, so where's reader one and reader two? Why don't you guys stand up? Reader one and reader two? There they are. Okay. Not to get them the mics. So I just want you to listen to this. It's not going to be up on the screen. You're not going to be able to turn there in your Bible because it's a number of verses put together. If it helps you to close your eyes, if you're not watching kids, just close your eyes and listen to uh, the, the scripture speak. The righteous consider the cause of the poor, but the wicked have no regard for such concerns. Learn to do what is right, seek justice, correct the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor, and do not plot evil in your heart against one another. Defend the cause of the weak, defend the cause of the weak and fatherless, uphold the rights of the afflicted and oppressed. Open your mouth for those who have no voice, for the justice of all the disposos. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the cause of the poor and needy. Pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this, to care for the orphans and the widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Okay, you've got two minutes to talk to somebody next to you about these two questions. What stuck out to you about this, and what was a common theme? Okay, real quick, two minutes, think about it, talk to somebody next to you, share. Okay, one more minute. Okay, throw it out there. What stood out to you? God cares. God cares. He defends. God calls us to care. Okay, it's a it's a command. Okay. What are Christians called to do when it comes to poverty and oppression and abuse? Followers of Jesus fight for justice. What's interesting to me as I look at this group of scriptures is the proactive nature of the language. Yes, it's talking about, hey, don't abuse people. Don't take advantage, right? Don't oppress. But it's also saying defend, speak up, right? Raise your voice for those that cannot speak for themselves. It's not enough to say, as a follower of Jesus, I'm not oppressing anyone. As the church, we are called to go on the offensive against injustice. Followers of Jesus fight for justice. 
Christians defend the defenseless. The church releases righteousness into the earth. Now, this is all throughout the Bible. If you look back to the first five books of the, the, of the Old Testament, the Mosaic Law, there is so much in that law that was culturally radical, right? It was establishing ways to keep injustice from happening. They had this thing called the Year of Jubilee. Every 49 years, there would be this Year of Jubilee where all debts would be canceled, land that had been had to have sold because of debts or things would be given back to the original owners. It was a, it was a year of restoration of property and canceling of debts to liberate people from mistakes even that they had made that led them into poverty. Uh, there's, there's the gleaning rules, right? You're not to gather all the harvest from your land, but you're to leave some around the edges. That's what we see Ruth doing in the book of Ruth, right? She's gleaning around Boaz's field. It's a way to provide for the poor so that they would be able to gather food. Uh, that whole idea of not charging interest on loans, right? Radical, absolutely radical idea. But what does it do? It right, enables people, right, to get out of poverty to take a loan. Imagine what your mortgage payment would be like if there was no interest. Okay, yeah, there's a cheer, right? Only one? Come on, guys, right? It's incredible, these incredible laws that God had to lift people out of poverty and to keep oppression from happening. Um, and a common theme over and over in the Old Testament, don't mistreat or take advantage of the foreigner or alien in your land. I am the Lord, is often what he would say. Secondly, the prophets, right, the books in the, in the Old Testament called the prophets, there's a continual rebuke for not keeping these rules. And instead, for obviously falling into idolatry, worshiping other gods, but also a ton about oppressing the poor. Isaiah 58 is a very well-known passage. It talks about fasting and how the people were keeping some of the ceremonial laws. They were going to church. They were tithing. They were meeting in homes, doing all these religious activities, and yet they were oppressing the poor. And God said, that's not the kind of fasting that I've chosen. The kind of fasting that I've chosen is liberating the oppressed. It's not, it's not um, <clears throat> oppressing people or abusing them or take advantage of their situation, but liberating them, defending them. And obviously we see the early church set a culture of caring for one another's needs, caring for the poor. We see that in Paul's letters. We see that in the book of Acts. It's all throughout the Bible. The last verse that, that Anna and Sam read talks about, it was from the book of James, and it talks about uh, pure and undefiled religion is providing care for widows and orphans in their distress. Wow. This is huge. Followers of Jesus fight for justice. There was a woman in the 19th century who was probably the most famous in that era uh, black American woman. Her name was Sojourner Truth. Very good. And here's her story. She, she was kinda, she's kind of known now in the history books for, uh, for 40 years traveling around, advocating for, uh, for blacks to be freed, helping them gain land after the Civil War was opened, and also for women's suffrage. So all these different things that she was traveling around just, just promoting. But here's how she got her start. She had, uh, she had fleed from her slave owner and uh, run away and was known, kind of some of her story is that she often just talked to God and had a conversation with him alone in the woods. That was her pattern not unlike Jesus, right? 
when she, after she had run away, she just kind of felt like she had nowhere to turn and she considered going back to her slave owner. Uh, it said that she had a vision of Jesus and claimed that she was baptized in the Spirit and Jesus told her not to go back, but basically anointed her for this ministry of releasing people from oppression and fighting for, for those that didn't have a voice. And so obviously she goes down in history, uh, again, for women's suffrage. For, she was the one that fought for uh, blacks being allowed in the Union Army to fight in the Civil War and uh, all kinds of things after the war. That is what Christians are about, right? Sojourner Truth was baptized in the Holy Spirit, had a vision of Jesus, and what did she do? What did her life reflect? She was a follower of Jesus, and she fought for justice. This is what followers of Jesus do. This is what people who get an encounter with Jesus, it reflects in their life, and it impacts the culture around them. Now, second question. Why is this the role of the church? I mean, isn't this the government's job or, or kind of social welfare institutions? Why is this the part of what followers of Jesus are called to do? I mean, isn't it enough to preach the gospel and make disciples? Isn't that the real call of the church? I mean, the, search, the church isn't really a social justice movement, is it? Is that what Jesus really had in mind, you know, when he was walking around starting this thing we call church? Well, readers number three and four, where are you guys? Antonio and Micah. Where's Antonio and Micah? I can't see him, but not to. Can you see him? You guys stand up. Where's Antonio? Okay. Antonio, can you run over to Micah real quick? Good job, buddy. You're doing great. Okay, these guys are going to read three and four. So again, listen carefully. You're going to have one question to think about after this. So, so pay close attention for the quiz. Okay? All right, you guys go ahead. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partillery and accepts no bribes. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the foreigner and gives him food and clothing. A father of the fatherless and a defender of the widows is God in his holy habitation. habitation. The Lord protects the sojourners. He sustains the fatherless and the widow, but the ways of his of the wicked he frustrates. The Lord te tears down the house of the proud, but he protects the boundaries of the widow. God sees the trouble of the afflicted. He considers their grief and takes it in hand. Victims commit themselves to him, and he is the helper of the fatherless. Good job, guys. Give him a hand. You guys did great. Thank you, guys. All right, you guys got a minute and a half. What do these passages say about God? What did you notice about God in these passages? What do you learn about God from hearing those? Go. minute and a half. Talk about it. Okay, 30 seconds.
Okay, throw it out there if you got one. What does this tell us about God? What did you hear? He's a protector. Okay, his way is the only way. Doesn't matter who you are, God cares. He brings accountability for the oppressor. Okay, yep. He wants to be what? A guider. Yes, he wants to guide us. That's good, that's good. So, guys, followers of Jesus fight for justice because God is righteous. Because God is just. Because the heart of God for the world is what is in heaven. Right? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Followers of Jesus fight for justice because God loves the people of this world and wants this world to look like heaven. God is love. He cares about what he has made. His intention for the world was good and he made it good. Right? This is why we fight for justice because it's God's heart. It's who he is. Right? He desires the world to reflect heaven. This is the reason that as a follower of Jesus, we fight for justice. It's because it's in God's heart. It's his intention for the world. All right, two more readers. This is the last two passages. Here's reason number two. Brian and Mark, why don't you guys stand up? Natu's coming over to give you the mic. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from that time and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Amen. Okay, you got two minutes, two questions. Go. Who's this talking about? What did you notice? Anything stick out to you?
Okay. What do you got? Throw it out there. Who's this talking about? It's talking about Jesus. That's right. It's in the, from the book of Isaiah. It's talking about the suffering servant in the book of Isaiah and what he's going to do. And what, was, what did you hear that was common about this in these passages? There's a refrain kind of over and over again. All right. Doesn't oppress, right? A bruised reed he will not break. Smoldering with all that stuff out. Harvest theme verse. And secondly, over and over again, righteousness and justice are mentioned. Guys, justice is part of the gospel. If we reduce the gospel to believe uh, that God will forgive your sins and you go to heaven, we miss a huge part of the gospel. And that is that Jesus came proclaiming a new kingdom. He was killed because he was a, seen as a political threat, starting a social movement, and obviously that it was also religious, but it's all of those things, right? The thing that it said above his head was king of the Jews. A king is a political figure that's threatening the governments of this world. Right? As we talked about last week, the statement that Jesus is Lord was ripped off of the Romans, who used to say Caesar is Lord. The gospel is that Jesus is Lord. That is the gospel. Our response to it is repentance, and we receive forgiveness of sins. But the gospel is believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and, com and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Right? The gospel is about Jesus. It's about his kingdom invading this earth. The gospel is about the goodness of God coming to earth and restoring and making all things new. That is the gospel. It is that Jesus is king, that he has won the victory, and that the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing on this earth. And that requires people becoming disciples of Jesus and teaching them to obey all that he has commanded. But it also is about reforming the systems of this world and relieving the oppression that is on people because that is God's heart and it's part of what Jesus came to do. One amen. I'll try to do better. How are we supposed to do this? The world is such a mess, right? All the oppression, I mean, just from, you know, you go to Ukraine, the Middle East, there was a, uh, an earthquake in one of the islands uh, in Indonesia. The other day. I mean, just such a mess that is in this world. How is this small little group of people in Beverly, Massachusetts supposed to do anything about this? Well, this is the first thing that we do, guys. We proclaim Jesus, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is King. In every facet of our lives, we are proclaiming the gospel by saying that Jesus is king. He was raised from the dead. And yes, God offers forgiveness of sin that all that would believe in him would turn away from that, would repent and receive it, would become children of God. But it doesn't stop there. Then we become his agents. That's what Pentecost is about. We receive the Holy Spirit to release God's kingdom into this world, reforming every part of society. And the reason that we proclaim Jesus is this, is because really injustice is the result of idolatry. You ever notice how those two things are linked in the Old Testament? 
When Israel falls into idolatry and they're looking at other gods and chasing after other gods to provide them rain and to help bless their crops and to protect them from enemies, it's always linked with injustice in the land. Those two things go hand in hand. When we exalt something into the place of the creator, right, we also devalue what the creator created. When we devalue the creator, we devalue the creation. You guys remember, uh, I don't know, any sports fans out there? LeBron James, when he left the Cavs for the first time, people were burning his jerseys, right? Stomping on them, just, just totally, just, you know, anything that was connected with LeBron, they were totally devaluing. When, when, when someone is angry at God, they often attack what they think God would value. Justice will flow when idolatry ceases. When people stop exalting money in corporations in our country and other countries and give in to that idolatrous deal with money and greed, justice will flow. When people stop exalting sex and a sexual experience and stop giving money to the porn industry, people will be set free. Justice will flow. Injustice is the result of idolatry. And when we proclaim that Jesus is Lord, justice will flow. If we want justice, we need to preach the gospel. We make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, but also teaching them to obey. Right? Sin is the problem, both personal, corporate, and systematic. But secondly, we also work to see justice and righteousness done. We stand up for those that don't have a voice. We speak out, right, for those that are oppressed and afflicted. And again, this is super complex in our world. The whole idea of you don't just give someone a fish, you teach them to fish. But it also requires, in a lot of ways, a, a mind shift for them. Right, getting them out of those systems of poverty and, and, and thinking like in, 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 in a poverty way. Uh, an example of this in our area is, is something called Amira. If you haven't heard of Amira, there's a safe house somewhere on, on the North Shore that is uh, pulling women out of the, the um, sorry, kids are in the room, an industry that would, they would like try to traffic them. Thank you. Okay. And they, 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 they don't just give the woman a place to live, but they also give them job training and also, like, counseling. They're dealing with the, the stronghold in the mind that's established when people abuse you over and over again and manipulate you. And they're also giving them practical skills to lift them out of that place and help restore their true identity. Right? That's what it takes in this world. And the church is all about it because followers of Jesus fight for justice. So there's all kinds of ministries, just off the top of my head the other day, in this area that are doing things like this. Route One Ministries, ministering to people that uh, dance on Route One. <clears throat> Amira House, Not For Sale, obviously a national organization, IJM, um, Compassion Internationally, uh, our own Antioch ministry called Unbound, and then different organizations that are working against racism, 
Talk to Hunter Carroll. He's, he's considering starting a nonprofit in that, in our, in, our, in our own church, someone that's leading the way on that. So guys, all this is to say it's a complex world, but we can do something to fight injustice. As follower of Jesus, it is our call to do that, and it is part of the gospel. So let's get real practical right now, okay? Here's three steps you could take with our church to do something about fighting against injustice. This foster care initiative that we've prayed for, Hamilton Congregational Church is hosting a MAP training in the month of October. If you have any interest at all in fostering kids, this could be the next step for you, okay? They're providing it free childcare if you have kids of your own. It's four, four Saturdays in the month of November. That could be something that, is, that the Lord is calling you to get involved in or to volunteer to help them pull it off. If you have any of those two things, go on their website or talk to me. I'll plug you in with the right people. Number two, and I'm so proud of you guys. Sandy came up here last week and gave an announcement about uh, Family Promise, which is trying to help move people out of homelessness. And again, we're partnering with Hamilton Congregational for one week of this ministry in October. But we still have some roles to fill. There was a, there was a huge response last week, people wanting to bring meals. There's still a lot of need for people to stay over 8.30 p.m. to 6.30 a.m. You have to do a small training if you're going to do that or to help host the meal Monday through Saturday. So if you want to do that, where's Sandy? Can you just stand up and wave your hands? Talk to Sandy after, the church, after church. She is coordinating this. This is something that you can do. You can minister and help the oppressed while you are sleeping. Just go there. You stay the night. It'll be great. Okay? Talk to Sandy. Lastly, I just want to mention one more thing. Jade and Sam, my son Sam, have been going to a, a monthly Beverly downtown dinner, which is a number of churches and other organizations in the community host these meals. We've been invited to take one over for someone six times a year, but we would need a team of people to do that. If you have an interest in hosting a meal, it would be once every other month with a team of people and meeting some people in our community that would come and it would help them out to have a meal. Uh, it's an amazing ministry. Kids can be involved. Talk to my wife or talk to me about maybe doing that. Okay, We're not stepping forward until we have a team. So guys, followers of Jesus, fight for justice. Amen? Why? Because it's part of the gospel. It's part of God's heart for this world. It's part of heaven coming to earth. Right? Let's have the band come back up and we're going to respond. So all those responses are very practical in nature, okay, which is, right, we're the church, we don't just talk, we do. So what I want to do now is just focus again on the gospel. We're going to be singing a song called All, All Hail King Jesus. And so recognizing that even in our own hearts, every single one of us, there's a little piece of idolatry in us where we want to exalt something besides God in our lives. And that always leads to injustice in our lives and in the lives around us. So as we sing this song, know that we are proclaiming the gospel that Jesus is Lord, that he is king, right? that he's come to earth, he's died this terrible death on the cross to provide forgiveness of sins, raised from the dead, vindicated by God, and given us the spirit to be partakers in the divine nature and releasing heaven on this earth to fight against injustice and bring more people into God's family. So let's stand together and exalt that Jesus is king and speak the gospel to ourselves right now. Thank you, Lord. We just worship you. Jesus, you are king. 
we want you to be king of our hearts, and we ask we need help to fight injustice in this world. Put that on our hearts, and we exalt you now as king in our lives. Thank you, God.